Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Field, owner and director of Lucky Star Art Camp, a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp held annually on the banks of the Guadalupe River in Hunt, Texas. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to the queen of gluing stuff to stuff, Jennifer Perkins. A self-proclaimed ADD crafter, Jennifer is a Jill of several different crafty trades. One minute she's making candles from crayons, and the next minute she's collaging with a 70s Sears catalog. The constant theme through those creative endeavors is her love of kitsch, color, and all things vintage. Whether she is crafting or decorating a kitschmas tree, her distinct style always shines through. Jennifer started her creative career as a jewelry designer, but has worn many hats through the years, including television host, brand ambassador, and craft magazine editor. She has done ad campaigns for Michaels, been a guest on the Rachel Ray Show multiple times, and had her work featured in places like Country Living, Better Homes and Gardens, and Howes. Most recently, Jennifer is working on her fourth craft book, which will be available in the fall of 2022. She has lived in Austin, Texas for over 20 years, has two kidlets, one husband, two dogs, two rabbits, and three cats. If she's not crafting, you can find Jennifer at the thrift store hunting for her next creative inspiration. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer Perkins. Today's episode is brought to you by No Issue. Hey, Lisa, I want to create some cool packaging for my business. Oh, yeah. No issue. Okay, but who should I use who cares about the environment, customizes to my brand, and is easy to work with? No issue. Okay, yeah, I get it's no issue, but who does that? No issue does that. I worked with them on my registration boxes, and their products are not only sustainable, but they're also beautiful. Check out www.noissue.co to learn all about the products they create to make your brand really stand out. It's no issue. Hello, Jennifer Perkins. Welcome to the Lucky Star Show and Tell podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. So this is how we are introducing all the new instructors for 2022. And it's a super exciting way for everybody to get to know you a little bit better outside of just the bio that they might see on your website or on our website. We want to like dig in and know more about you. So can you give me just like a brief history of where you grew up, what your life was like, what your childhood was like, the backstory? Um, I am from a town called McKinney, Texas, which is in North Texas. Um, I lived there until I was about 18. I grew up in a giant pink Victorian house. Both of my parents were psychologists and we spent every weekend going to flea markets and antique malls to decorate said Victorian house. So I feel like this explains just in a nutshell so much about me. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And so my dad still lives in said house. So, um, but you know, growing up, I was, my mom was always craftsy, artsy. So that was kind of, even if we weren't like side by side crafting, like moms tend to do with their kids now, you know, it mm-hmm. was kind of like 
vicarious creative vibes always coming in through her, you know, kind of always being influenced by it. So I think, you know, between the thrifting, the crafty stuff, you know, my dad is always like, even though he's a psychologist, he's always like business hustle, business hustle on the side. I think all of those things kind of put me where I am now, which is in Austin. So speaking of the business hustle, business hustle, I remember you telling me, you you did a little business coaching for me actually a few years back. That was awesome. And I remember you telling me when we were having lunch that day that your dad really wanted you to go that business route and really push that with you. And it shows, I mean, in, in all that you do, that that thread, that part of your life really, really shows. Can you um, take us a little deeper on that? Sure. Um, Like I said, even though he was a psychologist, like he still was super into, I think since he grew up on a farm, he was always kind of like a kid entrepreneur. He was always pushing out on my sister and I, like we were, you know, we had rabbits and then as the rabbits had babies, it's like, why don't you set up a roadside stand and sell those babies? Or like, then I started making earrings out of fishing lures. Bad idea. But, you know, it was like, why don't you sell those at the family garage sale? So I can remember even as a kid, my dad being like, there's this word called entrepreneur and you could be sitting on the beach, you know, making money while you sleep. Like even my kids know the term pig, which is a positive income generator, Mm -hmm. which like makes money while you sleep. I mean, they they could probably pick Warren Buffett out of a lineup (laughs) because of my dad, you know, so it was just very ingrained. And he was. You know, he just didn't, my mom was a creative one, so he kind of wasn't, but it was kind of weird that I grew up with these two opposites in that way, that my mom was so like, let's just craft, and today I'm going to mosaic, and tomorrow I'm going to paint, and then let's make stiffy bows, and then my dad's always like in the background like, and then I'm saving to buy this other piece of property, and then I'm going to put it in these oil wells, and then I'm going to like invest in these stocks, you know what I mean? So it's hard not to grow up with both of those things going on. But yeah, so then I did, I have a degree in psychology because I think in his mind, I was going to like follow in his footsteps that way. And I did like psychology, but then, you know, just as fate would have it, I ended up um, falling into the craft world and the creative world. And that just kind of started paying the bills. But I mean, even when I was like making, you know, paying the mortgage on my crafts. And then some, I mean, I practically had a TV show and my dad was still sending me like newspaper clippings, like here's a job you could have with your bachelor's in psychology. And I'm just like, dad, let it go. Let the dream go. I mean, he's still to this day will occasionally be like, you ever think about that master's degree? It's like, I'm almost 50. No, I'm not thinking about that master's degree in psychology. Like it's not going to happen. But until like my jewelry business, naughty secretary club finally got like in the wall street journal, then he was like, okay. And he had it framed. It hangs in our kitchen and he let it go. And the push towards like getting a real job finally <laughs> stopped. You know, he's still like, he's still like, don't you want to do some investing? Don't you want to do a this? Which I do occasionally, yeah. but you know, I think he's just given up hope on my sister and I, she paints, I glue stuff to stuff. Like <laughs> that's, that's just the way it. it's going to be. So I want to come back to Naughty Secretary Club here in a minute, but first I want to go back to so I, I've, my grandma had a big garden, um, where people would come from all around and pick and buy her vegetables that my uncles planted for her. That was her business. And one of the things that I did 
when I was a kid was aside from, you know, working out there, picking lots of corn, lots of cucumbers, lots of green beans, black eyed peas, all that stuff, squash, I would go with her and set up a roadside stand and sell corn or whatever it was that we had that was ready at that moment in time. And I remember that kind of lit a little light in me, the whole entrepreneurial thing and the fact that you could just pick up and go sell something, you know, like just that morning you could wake up and go, you know what? Let's go throw some corn in the back of the truck, make a sign, and we would paint a big sign on a piece of plywood, and we would literally go sit for however long we felt like it, you know, and until we ran out or until I got too tired. But she would take me with her and do those things, whether it was at a farmer's market or on the side of the road or there at her house where there were people coming in and I remember taking money and making change for the first time, you know, there at her house. And those things are really important. And they're things that I think gave me the confidence to start my own business later on in life. Is that something that you do with your kids? Do y'all, is that something that you guys have continued in your family? Not as literally as you and I did, you know, like, um, they do like try to think, I mean, you know, Tallulah was a girl scout. So of course she did the cookie selling thing. So they got a little taste of, oh, yeah, you know, the monetary power that way, even though they couldn't spend it. But, you know, I do, I wouldn't say, you know, they get an allowance, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not just for merely existing that they get an allowance. Like for Tallulah, she, um, loves to cook. You know, so she's 13. And so, and when I say cook, I don't mean she's like heating up something gross. I mean, like I'm trying to think of like a recent recipe she's made. Like if she's going to make chicken tikka masala, she's going to go get all the oh, spices. Yeah. Like there might be a mortal and pest, yeah. or pet, you know what I mean? Like a grinder thing involved. And she's like making from oh, scratch that's awesome. meals. And so I was like, I was like, well, if I don't have to cook, then I'll pay you to cook. Right. You know, so things like that. So I am, you know, telling her like, if you do that, then I'll pay you for making dinner. So she knows like, like she's going to go to New York with a friend and their parents this summer. And I was like, well, you better get to cooking girl. Cause <laughs> New York's expensive. Money. Like you think it's fun to go to Starbucks mm-hmm. all the time. Like, you know what I mean? You better get to whipping up breakfast, lunch, and dinner to make it happen. So I definitely do. And like Baxter, you know, he's in charge of like feeding the animals. So it's not that I don't get them things, but I do think it's important to let kids know, like you work, you get something. And Tallulah's had a little Etsy store. She was doing um, like digital oh, animal cool. portraits, you know, and Baxter, he wants to have a YouTube channel. He kind of waxes and wanes on it with making Legos. And he's cognizant of like ad money and income and, you know, and they both have little E-Trade accounts. Yeah. So, you know, they know in savings accounts and checking accounts. So they know how it works. I think, you know, it's important to introduce kids at an early oh, age yeah. to that. To money, like you said, I mean, even if we didn't think it at the time, I still go back in my mind like, oh, you know, if I need a little extra cash, like I can make something or sell something. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, it never dawns on me to go out and like get a real job. Not that that's not a real job, but you know what I mean? Like a office, like my dad kind of job. Like in my mind, I'm still like, I'll just whip up some stuff and sell it online or put it up on eBay or Facebook marketplace and you know what I mean? Or yeah, whatever. I, I think so. it does give you just a little bit 
more confidence out in the world. And, and then any kind of sales that you can do where you're interfacing with people, it really is good for, for kiddos and all of us. Okay, Naughty Secretary Club. So you're sitting in your office job and one day it just dawned on you that, hey, I could make a business out of selling these cool earrings that I'm making? Ish. That's kind of ish how it happened. Like I had the office job because when I, you know, in, in, a, in true dad fashion, the minute I graduated from college, it was like, here's your car payment. Here's <laughs> your health insurance. Here are all your bills. Go. <laughs> You know, and it was like the 90s and I was like, oh, I can't pay for rent in Austin and selling plasma <laughs> yeah. and CDs. Like, how am I going to do this? So, you know, so I got the office job, but then I started making jewelry at the office mm -hmm. occasionally. And, and, you know, it just kind of naturally progressed to where, you know, friends were buying it and they were buying it for friends. And then, you know, it started getting a little bit of buzz. And then a magazine called Bus featured it. And it was one of those things, it was real early days of online sales. Like there wasn't Etsy or eBay or any of that kind of stuff. Well, there might've been eBay, but there wasn't Etsy. And so it was like just my direct website. And when that feature came out, you know, it was just my perfect audience. It's like, you know, when I had that Wall Street Journal thing, those aren't my people. Right. So that didn't really do much for me as far as orders, even though it's a much larger platform. But Bust was my exact people. And it was like a full page peach feature and then all of a sudden my inbox was just like ding 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 oh, ding wow. and I was already just like working all the time when I wasn't at my office job making jewelry putting together packages so it was kind of one of those things where I was like I'm either gonna have to tell these people no and refund all this money or I'm gonna have to quit my day job so I have the time to fulfill to do these it. orders you know and I was just like yeah and I was just like you know what I'm an administrative assistant like if I quit this job, there will be other administrative assistant gigs if this jewelry stuff doesn't work out. But, you know, once I got a taste of sleeping late and never wearing pantyhose again, there was no, there's no going back after that. You know, <laughs> if you don't have to, I mean, I still answer a phone. I want to be like, hello, you know, like I still like I'm trained with that, like phone etiquette and taking messages. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how that happened. And then it just you know, it just kind of kept going and snowballing from there. You know, then there were, there were books, there were more press, there was TV shows. So it just kind of went. Okay. Tell me about the, the press and the TV shows. I've never, I haven't ever sat with you and talked about those things in much detail at all. How, how did all that unfold? How'd that happen? How, what, what was it like? What was the experience like? Um, the, it was super fun. It was a very exciting time. You know, it's not the kind of thing I could obviously do now with kids, but back then, you know, it was you totally doable. But, um, so the press thing, you know, that's back when there were more physical magazines, right? And so I quickly figured out that if one magazine featured your jewelry, they all wanted to be, they all were like, oh, what, who's this? Like, they weren't going to dare let one magazine have the jewelry and they're not going to have the jewelry. So, you know what I mean? So if 17 had it, well, then, you know, Marie Claire wanted mm -hmm. it and, you know, this person wanted it. Like, they would just see it. So it just kind of started feeding off of each other, which, of course, like, you can pay for ads all day long, but there is nothing that will sell your product, like, like features right. and editorials, you know, like, that's where, that's where the sales come from, not from, like, a paid ad. And so that just kind of spiraled. And then at about the same time-ish, right in there, um, my friend Vicky had lived, came from LA. She, I met her here and we were in a group called the Austin craft mafia. And she got a TV show back in LA knitting. 
And she's like, do you want to come out to L.A. and hang out? And I was like, sure, I'll go out to L.A. It was for DIY mm-hmm. Network. She had, you know, auditioned, and they wanted a, a hip knitter. And she was like, oh, what the hell, I'll audition. Well, of course, she, like, fits the bill perfectly. And so she goes out to L.A. filming the show, and she's like, do you want to come out to L.A. and visit me? And Yes. Duh, yes, <laughs> of course I do. So I get out there, and we meet some execs from um, – HGTV and DIY network and we're telling them about the craft mafia and they're like what there's like nine of y'all and you all do different crafts and you know blah 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 and we're like yeah and they're like "Ooh, this sounds like a tv show so they flew somebody out to Austin and we all had to do like a fake demo in a hotel room out by the airport like I remember I made jewelry like you know what I mean like it was this total fake where somebody was filming us and it was just like and then you put the beat on and then you use the crimp beat or whatever, you know? And then I guess they took it back to the powers that be. And they were like, yes, we want this TV show. So then we got that TV show. And that was all of us um, doing, that show was called Stylicious. We did not choose that name. I can't even remember how it was properly spelled. And then uh, they said, do any of you guys want to try out for your own show, for another show called Craft Labs? And that show would be daily. And I was like, sure don't like I do not like this like I do not like the public speaking this is not for me and so I didn't even think about it and then like I came home and they emailed me a couple times like did you want to maybe consider this position really you were not going for it no I said no several times yeah and then finally that the it was the same uh production company that did stylicious you know, and I, they kind of convinced me, and I was like, if I can have a teleprompter, I'll do it. Because Stylicious, they really wanted us to memorize a lot of stuff, which felt, A, unnatural with, with somebody writing a script. But anyway, long story short, longest of the long stories, I was like, sure, I'll go out there and I'll do it. And then I finally, I ended up loving it, because it was basically kind of like what we do at Lucky Start. It's like, I'm getting paid to sit here and hang out with people and craft. Like, I was the host. They were doing the crafting. So I'm basically, like, learning four different crafts a day, because that's how many episodes we would film. I was like, yes, I want to do this all the time. Like just learn new crafts. Like I might be enameling copper in the morning and like origami in the afternoon and then soap making next week. Like, so did that kick off your crafty Jill of all trades kind of personality or did that just accentuate what was already kind of there in you to start with? Probably both. You know, I think. I I think I was so like tunnel vision about jewelry because that's kind of what paid my Mm -hmm. bills, even through the TV show, you know, like I had assistants back home that were helping me like make jewelry, fill out orders. I might have like booths at ACL, you know, um, where like I was having to hire people to go out there and like work my booth because I would be in Los Angeles like filming and I couldn't be there. But then when I think when I got exposure to all these other things, I was like, oh, I don't have to be so like narrow and focus on what I do or you know I kind of look at it this way too it's like I remember for a long time like I felt guilty if I watched any kind of tv and it wasn't like educational do you know what I mean like if it wasn't like a David Attenborough then it was like what are you doing through time it's like the same thing with my audiobook addiction it's just recently dawned on me that it's okay that I just want to listen to like cheesy rom-coms because so it was that so it's like it's okay if you don't want to just do jewelry all the time if sometimes you want to grab a glue stick and just do something for yourself and not for the business. But yeah, so I think that kind of definitely sent it, but it was after I had kids that I was like, I'm done with jewelry. Like I can't look at another bead for as long as I live, like I'm burned out. And then I kind of started doing other. So what is your favorite 
crafty thing that you're doing right now? It was on Craft Lab that I kind of discovered that I really liked paper crafts. Like I hadn't, I hadn't really played with paper crafts before that, you know, and I had a few guests that were doing stuff where we like made cards or, you know, it was something pretty rudimentary, but it was basically kind of, you know, glue sticks are kind of the gateway drug to those other paper crafts where you figure out like, you know, collage and stuff like that. And I like really, I just really enjoyed like playing with all these different scraps of weird junky paper and making new things out of it. And so that is still probably like my favorite thing, like the classes I'm teaching, you know, I taught last fall out at Lucky Star and the one I'm teaching this fall with the, um, the junk journals. Like I really like in the last few years have taken that love of paper crafts into like a book binding junk journaling. Like I love making the books as much as I love adding to the books with like random stickers and photographs. And it's kind of my own hodgepodge of scrapbooking, traditional scrapbooking with like photos of my kids and junk journaling, you know? And so that's probably like my favorite, like I don't get paid for it, but I love to do it. Well, and you're really good at it too. And you make it so fun and bright and colorful. And one of my favorite things about your style is the kitschiness of everything. Your love of vintage shines through in everything. Tell us how the whole kitschmas tree thing got started. Um, goodness, let's see. Well, my mom, again, back to my mom, she was always like overkill holiday decorator. So, you know, I come by it honestly. And, uh, but, you know, she was much, I mean, she was traditional to me, to a normal person. She probably was as eccentric as I am. But do you know what I mean? Like, if we're putting this on, like, a scale, like, you know, she might have stayed within the red and green wheelhouse and didn't have colorful trees. So, but, I mean, she's still, like, you could barely see a tree when all was said and done. Like, there was no tree left. It was just, like, spinning ornaments and bubble lights. Um. So from there, you know, I just always like loved that. And then when I started having my own kids and, you know, it was, I got to host Christmas, like I felt like it was my moral responsibility to make it look like Santa threw up all over our house. And, you know, so I just wanted to like really kind of overkill decorate. Like, I just love that look, you know, it gives me, it's like putting your house in a costume for a season, you know, and I just nothing about me is super traditional. I mean, from, you know, the way I look to the way I craft. So it's not like my Christmas trees are going to be, you know, subtle <laughs> and traditional and a, a spruce with the occasional cream ornament on it. Like, yeah. You but know. Jennifer, your <laughs> trees like, are like amazing. I mean, the things that go on your trees are not. So in in case there's anyone out there listening who does not know, Jennifer's house literally gets photographed every every year and it's like in July right it's not even at Christmas well it's not that early <laughs> but yeah it's I mean I'm already thinking well I gotta do Halloween exactly first, that's true okay so her kitchmas yeah her kitchmas trees have turned into basically every holiday tree so you have trees up year round pretty much is that an accurate statement not as much as I used to, you know, for a while I was a brand ambassador for a Christmas tree company. So some of it was obligation, but some of it was just because I loved it. But like you were saying about putting things in Christmas trees, I quickly realized that fake trees, those branches, 
you can put anything in there. So like for Valentine's, like I love to collect those vintage, like heart shaped candy boxes, you know, that they used to have that were real cute and elaborate, but you know, you don't, those will nestle right in the branches of a tree, you know? So you can use it like as a display tool for any holiday, you know? So it's like the same for like Easter. I would put like vintage stuffed Easter rabbits that I would find like in the branches as decorations. So more than anything, sometimes I use those trees as a way to your collections holiday right. collectibles. Yeah. So I don't have to buy a whole new shelf. It just happens to be a tree shaped shelf for my your Halloween masks. That collection is fabulous. I love them. And and thank you. And those are hard to display, but they are easy right. to put in a tree. I mean, because they don't lay flat. Mm-hmm. You know, I get emails every year, tons of emails like, how do you how do you display them? I can't get them to look good. And I'm like, that's exactly. why I put them in a tree because, you know, <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. So this is just a behind the scenes thing that I've always been curious about. What happens when, when they come to photograph your trees, where your family is concerned, your pets, what, how, like, what does it look like behind the scenes? It depends on who's photographing. Like I have, I hire a photographer every year, usually just because every year people will ask for photographs, like different publications will come to me and be like, do you have pictures of this tree? And so it's just easier for me to have professional photos, you know, on the ready. Like I just did, like, I just had an article published. It wasn't about Christmas, but about from architectural digest and they wanted tassel planters. Well, you know, the photographer I hired keeps folders for me. And so like she had photos of planters I had made with tassels on them. So I could just go to it. So if it's that, it's real laid back, you know, like I might not even get dressed. I mean, I'll, you know, obviously I'm not, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Not like dress, dress. And I'm just kind of behind the scenes, kind of fluffing, making sure everything Mm -hmm. looks good. But if it's like, you know, if HGTV is here or a magazine's here, it's kind of a mix. You know, my family's so used to it now. Like they've all been either, you know, my kids were like filmed for the Michaels commercial I did. You know, they've all been around so many times when photographers are here or, or the things they're just like eye roll. They don't even care. If anything, I'm just kind of like, keeping my dogs out of people's way while they get a photograph. You know what I mean? Like, although I'm here to tell you any photograph with a pet in it is going to get 20 gazillion more likes on social media. So I just hoard pets. We have seven. I hoard them just for (laughs) what pets do you have? We have two dogs, three cats and two rabbits. So, and one of my cats is black. And I like to say that I, got him just as a Halloween prop. So, and I did like this year when my photographer came, I did have pictures of myself taken and I was like, Swiss, get over here. Let me hold you in these pictures. <laughs> what a great name. Too. <laughs> I love that. So you and I both share the obsession for audiobooks. Like I am literally obsessed. I'm, I'm listening to sometimes two at the same time, because I, I like, you know, I, I like my, like you were saying earlier, I feel like at all times I want to be learning something new, whether it's a business book or a, like um, alternative or integrative health kind of a book. Or then I also like just a good fiction and it, it could be just about anything, you know? But I, I like to alternate between several different genres, all 
throughout the year. What, what can you think, like, can you name some of your favorite books that you've read lately or listened to? I always say read just because it's, it's the same thing. I know. I know. It's the same to me. My sister would be like, Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I have, I have friends that are like, you mean listened? (laughs) I'm still taking it in. I still own the knowledge taken in from this book. And you know what I tell people, I'm looking at my, uh, my Goodreads as we speak. What I tell people is that um, I never was a voracious reader. Even as a child, I didn't really like reading. And in high school, I was diagnosed with ADD. Like I went to, I had to get pulled out of school once a week and I went to a special counselor about it. Like they put me on medication, all the things. And then it's taken me as an adult to figure out once I started listening to audiobooks, and then I realized on top of that that I could speed them up, that I was just like, oh my God, yes. like this is that the changed jam. everything like, for me. I love listening. When I to have books. to it's a funny thing because I also have ADD. And if I have to strain just slightly, it makes me focus on it. So if I speed it up. It makes me have to work just a little bit to, but I can also still multitask, you know, I can still do other things that are, I I can't, I I can't read something else at the same time and actually hear what's being read to me. But yeah, it helps, it helps with the ADD. And like you, I was never a big reader as a kid. I mean, I could probably count the full books that I read, you know, on just my two hands and that is it. But I would read little articles and I liked the whole 17 magazine, all that kind of stuff. Um, But being able to listen to books and do other things at the same time at this point in my life, especially, I don't have the luxury of laying by the pool and reading a book or sitting in a chair and having a book in my hand. Um, So it really did make it to where I can read it's hundreds a game changer. of books now. Oh yeah. I've almost read, I've almost read slash listened to like a hundred books this year already. Mainly because like you said, people like a while back, I got last year, somebody asked me like, what's your favorite craft tool? And I was like a pair of wireless earbuds Yeah, because I'm constantly like they're around me right now. Like, I mean, it's like my favorite accessory because I'm always listening to a book. Last night I sat and like made jewelry and listen to books, you know? So it's just like, they're constantly, you know, if I'm going to the thrift store, I've got my earbuds in. Like if I'm walking my kids to swim practice, I've got my earbuds in, you know, not while they're with me, but after I (laughs) kick them to the curb at swim lessons. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, they're just always in. I'm trying to think, I'm like looking through my thing. Like I just finished lessons in chemistry. That was really cute. Um, About like a chemist. You know, I've gotten, like I said, I've gone down this slippery slope of rom-coms, uh, yeah. which I feel <laughs> slightly guilty about. Like, I'm trying to, like you, like, I like to have, I tell myself, like, I have, like, a day listen, which is, like, my, like, I'm bettering myself. It's an educational listen. And then I try to have, like, my nighttime going to bed, like, escapism listen. And that's usually, like, pretty fluffy, you know? So I save, like, any kind of Pulitzer or educational for daylight hours and, complete like trash not trash they're great you know what I mean like I'm thoroughly entertained but tell us what classes you are teaching this year it's um you've got oak hitch mystery as one tell us about that one 
Okay, so Oh Kitchmas Tree is, um, you know, I love those like jewel trees like that your grandma had and they were like so tacky yet so amazing made with all the costume jewelry. And so I have a few um, that I just managed to thrift or pick up at the flea market. But then one year for HGTV, they asked me to like make my own. Like, I had, oh, I had to do like, I forget. Everything's like intense. Everything's like. 10 vintage inspired Christmas crafts, you know, everything's yeah. got some like snazzy title like that. Yeah. So anyway, within that 10, I decided to make my own, but like since high school, I had collected those like enamel flower pens, you know, that are super sixties and real colorful, but they just sat in a drawer. It's not like I wore them or did anything with them. And so I was like, Ooh, I'm going to make my Christmas tree out of those. But then I just realized like, it's really just my favorite pastime, which is gluing <laughs> stuff to stuff. So, and I have, from the years of making jewelry and going to flea markets, I have so much stuff already, just stuff that I was just like, oh, I should take this show on the road. And then, you know, and then I asked other students that are taking the class, they can bring your own stuff. Like maybe you have like broken costume right. jewelry that was your grandma's or your great aunt's or something that's kind of sentimental. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to bring frames and felt and we're going to like, you know, kind of build the background build, you know, the outline of a tree and then I'll bring supplies. Of course, there'll be pumpkins involved as filler. And then, you know, and I'll bring stuff that people can fill in, but it's a great way. Like for me, like with those flower pins, I love them and I want to see them, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to wear them. And I think other people might have little trinkets and items like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be jewelry, just something kind of small and fun. So they're just going to be kind of a Christmas shaped kitsch collage that, you know, you get to put up once a year and like admire, because we all have those things that it's like, I love them and I want to look at them, maybe not 365 days a year, but for the month of December, it'd be cool. One of my Nana's entrepreneurial little, well, one of her little businesses was she sold costume jewelry. And I have ended up with a lot of her pieces that she just had left over you know that didn't either didn't sell or she was just done and you know and oh my gosh I always loved going through all that as a kid and now you know I have a couple pieces and there's a ring that I'll wear every once in a while Um, but I can see how this would be really this class is perfect for pulling out those old collections like that and and putting them on display. And like you said, not necessarily 365 days a year, but just for that season, it would be nice to have those things on display. Yeah. out And like I said, it doesn't literally have to be jewelry and people don't have to get it stuck in their head that it has to be Christmas themed jewelry or even like, and I like to discourage people too, that it doesn't, to me, there are no Christmas colors. Yeah. You know, obviously those flower trees that I'm the flower pens that I'm talking about, they're not red and green. You know what I mean? Like we'll make it into the shape of a tree. It'll feel like Christmas by the time we're done. Right. You know, but it won't, it well, doesn't it could be coins be. or buttons or dice or chips or. And I'm going to bring buttons. I'm going to bring all the like little knickknack paddywax, like <laughs> all the things. So like if people took my junk journaling class last year and thought I brought a bunch of stuff for that, wait till you see the, <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna need a motorized cart to get up to the <laughs> to the place with all the junk. It's a lot heavier than paper. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll have to put you downstairs. 
course. Yeah. Uh, okay. Little Golden Book Kitchmas Journals. That's another one of your classes. Yeah. So that's going to be kind of a variation on the junk journaling class I taught last fall, which I love teaching that class because that's the kind of thing, like I see some people, everybody enjoys it, but then there's always that handful of people in there that really click with bookbinding like I did. And I can see them and I'm like, I see you, you're about to go home and like, just journal your little heart out. Like there was a few people, like even when class was like over, like even at the summer class last year, when I talked to taught the junk journaling, um, several of the girls asked me like, can we borrow this stuff? And they were sitting around the campfire listening to Mandy, like still like glue stick <laughs> in hand with their embroidery needles, like working on their things. It's like, it's a slippery slope. Like you could sit and do it for a long time, but the Christmas one will be, it's a little bit of a different technique as far as the book binding goes. Cause we used cereal boxes last fall right. that were covered in fabric. And these are going to be little golden books that I've been collecting that have a oh, Christmas cute. theme. But if people want to bring their own, that's also great. The one, um, one of the ones that I'm going to bring is my Frosty the Snowman from like 1975. I mean, it says in there in my grandma's handwriting, like Jennifer 1975. But obviously I had like torn pages, colored pages, yeah. all the things, you know, and some people might be like, Oh my God, I can't believe you tore that apart and made it into a journal. But like for me, I still kept all the pages, you know, the little insert where my grandma had written on it. And I just added right. more stuff to it, you know, with Christmas cards, people had sent to me Christmas paper, Christmas stickers, photos of my kids with Santa, you know, so it's going to be like a little book, like a photo album, just of Christmas stuff and Christmas kitsch when it's all said and done. So, you know, to me, those are like the most special oh, yeah. kinds of photo albums. Cause I mean, how many times do like, it's like watching somebody's vacation slides mm -hmm. and you're just like, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's another picture yeah. of you on the beach in Hawaii. There's but no. if it's in like a yeah. junk journal there's and no. it's just as entertaining to look at all the different like textures and stickers and pictures and different papers, exactly. you know, in my mind, my kids are going to oh, yeah. enjoy these more when they get older. Probably not, but maybe it's what I tell myself. Well, it just, it takes something that's already special and elevates it to something that's even more special and more current and relevant, like you said, to your kids. I mean, it you know, it, it just, it takes it to the next level. The other class. Exactly. Oh, so it'll yeah. be a fun class. It's going to be such a fun class. And I love that you're going kitschy Christmas all the way through. I love that. I mean, is there any other way? I'm not sure I could do traditional Christmas, <laughs> even if I try. Well, and with camp being, you know, in this first week of November, people are starting to think about the holidays for sure. And a lot of people are already doing their shopping. So it's a smart, it's a smart move for sure. The other class that you're doing is a, is an extra, we call them extras. It's just like an hour, hour and a half long class. And it is just kind of a chance for everyone who's kind of taken one of your classes before, I guess, or not to hang with you. It's called artsy girls art journaling meetup. So tell us about that one. Um, that one's going to be more, yeah, and you do not have to have taken a class with me before. I just noticed I love art journaling. That's one of my other favorite pastimes. You know, it's very similar to the book binding stuff, but, you know, I'm not like actually making the book. And usually I don't use a whole lot of paper in there. It's more just like paint and kind of just playing around with stuff and mixing colors and whatnot. 
And I just noticed when I was at Lucky Star uh, last fall that several ladies there, art journal, you know, they kind of do that in their past. And they had beautiful art journals they were showing me on their phones or they brought them in person. And I just thought like, well, we should have like um, an official meetup for all of us to come and, you know, we can show off and show our own art journals and get inspiration. Cause I love watching videos and seeing pictures of other people's art journals and seeing what they've done. So in the class, so in the class, it'll be kind of a show and tell people can just show up with their art journals and we can compare and contrast. But I'm also going to bring some you know, different tools I have, some different paints, and maybe talk about some ways to like fill some blank pages in your journal, because a blank journal can be very daunting, much like a blank canvas or a blank page to a writer, you know, so I'll just talk about some like real easy ways that you can just start like laying down some like paint or markers or patterns or techniques in your art journal to kind of get you like kickstarted. I'll bring lots of my tools that I use that people can play with, because then they might go home and be like, ooh, I've never used that. Like, I want to go get some oh, yeah. of those and, or whatnot. You know? And then I'm hoping that people will come to class and show me things that I'm like, ooh, I want to go home and scrape paint that way <laughs> exactly. or whatever. So. Yeah. If, if we are nothing else, we are a group of craft supply junkies for sure. <laughs> I am still using stuff I got. Like, I actually, like my latest book that's going to come out this fall I uh, was thinking about y'all because I used some like fabric that I got at the craft swap to make these like little pillow things. I was like, dang, I don't have any fabric that's going to work for this. And then I was like, Ooh, where's that stack of fabric I got at the craft swap at Lucky Star? And I was like, like, this is perfect. So That's awesome. Yeah. We were just talking about that craft swap the other day. I think we're definitely going to do that again this year. It was really fun. People liked that. It was a good one. What is the whole book writing experience how how's that been for you you're on your fourth book right i am and i just got asked to write a fifth um yeah so so i'll be doing that i'm churning same publisher Uh uh-huh same publisher uh my first book was a different publisher my naughty secretary club book the jewelry book was uh, a different publisher north light and then the last four will be callisto Um, it's good. I like it. It's real, like the way this publisher works, it really works for me because they're very structured as to where with the Naughty Secretary Club book, it was like, you just do you like, just bring us some concepts. And I was just like, Ooh, (laughs) it's daunting. It's hard. Like, but this one there, yeah, I was just like, Oh my God, it's so broad. But this publisher, like the one that's coming out this fall will be teen crafts. The one that just came out was like recycled crafts. Um, and the one before that was like kind of early kid crafts. So I really like it. Like I love doing kid crafts. Like I've been subbing up at my kid's That's school fine. because Austin needs subs so bad, you know? And so I was just like, Oh, I'll go sub. And then I can have lunch with my kid. And, you know, so I love being around kids and teaching kids anyway. And I love kid yeah. crafts because I think kid crafts, like just give you the, the leeway to be mm-hmm. messy. And when I, to me, like a kid craft, it's, they're not really kid crafts. They can be adult crafts. Like so many of the things I, I did in the like new book and in the last book, you know, there's like candles made out of crayons. There's bath bombs. There's like, you know, wax resist painting. Like there's all kinds of techniques that adults could easily do. So I, I've really enjoyed it. Like it's been, 
a fun thing. And then now I've started like writing a novel. Oh, so how we'll exciting. See how that goes. I mean, we'll see. Like, you know, it's just a real easy jump from <laughs> kids' crafts to novel writing. Is what it? genre are you writing in? <laughs> well, duh, it's going to be a rom com, of course. I mean, what else is there? I mean, there. it's real easy to pick a trope. <laughs> It's not so easy, like, the whole, like, writing it. But anyway, I've just started playing well, around exciting. with it. So. Well, exciting. We'll see. I'm just putting that energy out into the universe that's, right that's now. That's the way to do it. it. So. Let it fly. See what, see what sticks. Exactly. <laughs> that's the story of my crafty lies. Jennifer, where can our listeners find you? Uh, JenniferPerkins.com is my website and then instagram is jennifer perkins although i'm telling you like after christmas i was just like i just don't have the will to post that much anymore like i know i need to like i just haven't but also too if you just like google my name not to sound like kim from the real housewives (laughs) google me but um you know a lot of the stuff i write through the years i've written for other people Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i've written it for hgtv or diy or house or whoever so if you search my name and if you like throw in the tag Kitchmas a lot of times, like a lot of stuff will come up and you will, <laughs> you will find what we are talking about and lots of examples of what we're going to be doing. Where can at we Lucky find Star. your books for sale? If you look for my name on Amazon, they'll all come up. Like I have an Amazon author page and they're all on Amazon. And like I said, they're for, they're mm-hmm. for kids, but they're not necessarily, you know, adults could use them too. So. And do you still have your Etsy store? I do have my Etsy store. I, you know, I have so many, so many damn side hustles, Lisa. I don't even know where I am anymore. <laughs> what don't I have? And now, now I've decided tomorrow I'm going to be a rom-com author. I'm going to train to be an astronaut next week. I don't even know. Um, yes, I do. I have uh, Jennifer Perkins art is where like a lot of people took the painting class with me last fall and like really enjoyed that, that was class. Fun. That was such a fun class to teach. I love seeing everybody's stuff. And so you can find that Etsy shop is Jennifer Perkins art. And if I have a Jennifer Perkins art Instagram. And if you go there, I have like the lucky star tab okay. or I have a classes tab and you can scroll through. And I took a picture oh, of everybody cool. with their painting. And so you can see all of those. And then I also have the Huntress gatherer, which is vintage and stuff. That's on Etsy as well. And that's on Etsy because I have to support my thrift store habit. Somehow. Otherwise, yeah, you can't keep everything. <laughs> that's the hard part. Deciding as much as I want to. Part. My <laughs> husband has started to demand a garage cleaner. Uh, well, Jennifer, it's been so nice talking with you today. I am so excited about all your classes. And I know that everyone's going to be really excited to get to spend time with you journaling art journaling in your extra class and then I know that people are going to be really thrilled to get to do some little Christmassy projects with you in your classes this year too especially that um jewelry one like I'm I'm especially wanting to take the jewelry one so I can drag out all my Nana's collection of jewelry so Thank you so much, and thank you for being a Lucky yeah, Star instructor. It's been the best to have you. I'm so glad to be part of the family. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Lucky Star is a women's art and whole living sleepaway camp that takes place each fall in the Texas Hill Country. For dates and more information about our upcoming camps, visit our website at www. Dot luckystarartcamp.com or 
Find us on Instagram at Lucky Star Art Camp.